It's time for JT the Brick. We kick off the summer of Cliff Branch. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. Back going for Branch, a saver in the end zone. Branch, leaping catch. Touchdown, Raiders! Coach, I can beat my guy deep. I said, Cliff, we haven't even played it down yet. How do you, how do you even know who your guy is? The guy was just a nightmare to cover. He said it verbally, you're not going to cover me. You either have it or you don't have it. Well, Cliff had it. JT the Brick. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. If that guy was playing today, he would blow the top off the record book. Talked about the big bad Raiders, and here we had to hide. We had to parade Cliff Branch out there. He was 155 pounds. He's a Hall of Famer. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, everybody, you know what we're doing here. It's summer programming, but the Raiders now, the veterans are in the building, and we're going to have some practices, and tomorrow... It's really a great day for Raider Nation Radio. I'll be out there. I know Q's going to be out there. Vinny, I think, is coming in studio with me. We'll be broadcasting noon to two from the Raiders podcast radio studio. I'll be out there early. There'll be a practice early in the morning, I think, from 8.30 till 10. So a full day out there for Raider Nation, and it'll be fun, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see Dave Ziegler again, Josh McDaniels out there, the new president of the team. There's a lot happening now in the Raider Nation, and we're excited. We're all new to it, just like you are. We're meeting these new individuals who are in charge of the franchise now on the business side or as head coach and GM, and hopefully we're all going to come together as one great unit, a partner on the flagship of the team there, as you heard, as we're getting ready to go. We're brought to you by Modelo. I'll have that bucket of Modelo's on Friday. As I'm rolling up to Duck Creek for a little bit. Uh, been beating the heat this summer for a little bit. And uh, summer's coming to an end. And <laughs> we'll get back to the heat here momentarily. Hope everyone's having a good time. My son's going back to college tomorrow. I'm pretty emotional. Because I'm not going to see him until bye week. And you got a kid. My kid's going into his senior year at Oklahoma. He's leaving tomorrow for that long drive back to Norman. And we're looking at our calendars. And I'm going to see him during the Raider bye week. When I go out to see Oklahoma play. A college football game. So this is a long run. I'm not used to going that long without seeing any of my kids. This will be probably the longest one in quite some time. But he had a great summer. And my youngest is getting ready to go back to Arizona State for his sophomore year. I think that happens in a couple of weeks here. And I know your kids are, I don't get this going back to high school in early August or whenever you do it. Back when I, back when I went to high school in New York, it was after, it was after Labor Day. I know that to be sure, but not now. Everybody starts here a little bit early in the heat of summer. Speaking of the heat of summer, training camp, John Simpson on the offensive line was made available, and I think this is important because everybody wants to talk about this offensive line, the offensive line depth, and especially who's getting better on the offensive line. Simpson was asked earlier about what's going on in that classroom atmosphere here. Does it help along the way to get them better? Yeah, uh I think I think Coach Carm's doing a great job at uh, at his job. He's uh, you know we, we're all taking everything one day at a time. Everybody learns different. So some guys learn on the field, some guys learn in the classroom. And, and with them doing everything they, that they can, we, we try to do all those things. We go do walkthroughs. We do like you know meetings in the class. We stay extra after with Coach uh, Cam and and all kinds of things like that. So I feel like that's a big help to us because it is a new system. Uh, and and I feel like. If we keep learning the way they're teaching us, it's going, we're going to be pretty good. Yeah, he, he's really excited about Coach Basillo and the new offensive line and how he's trying to 
understand the terminology and the new coach coming off Tom Cable, this is a transition that he's up for. Um, I think it's going pretty good. Uh, we progressing like very well, um, way better than I expected myself to progress. Um, but like, like we, I said earlier, like the teaching aspect is like the biggest part. And uh, I think they're doing a really good job at teaching us and, and slowing things down for like guys like me and then like other guys too, you know. So I, like that's, that's the biggest thing is just making sure everyone's on the same page. Yeah, it's a big part of this because a lot of these guys on the offensive line are going to have to move around. That's a big storyline. you got to have to move around. Someone gets banged up or hurt, you better be able to play left guard, right guard, swing out to tackle, and do it. And Simpson proved. He came from a big program that he can do that, and he's got to be counted on to have a better year. He touched on last year when he played really good down the stretch and the game slowed down. I'd say, I'd say like, mid, like mid-season almost. It, it was, it was like, a, like a light just flit, like flashed. It was just like, you know... It, it wasn't perfect, but it, it, I got better um, and progressively. And I think, like I said just now, I, I feel like there's always time, like always times I can get better and stuff like that. And, and I, I'm never going to quit, like trying to work hard and try to be my best that I can possibly be. Uh, John Simpson was excited to talk about the new additions, not only the coaches, but the new president of the organization and how that's had a positive ripple effect in the building. Uh, it's definitely like, high energy every everywhere we go in this in this building um you know we try to keep it that way uh it's just like the culture that we're trying to uh implement into this program um and that's a test to the coaches um everybody that works here they they all do a great job at keeping us you know motivated to be our absolute best and one more from john simpson i was able to watch some of this right before the show the other ones as they were going on but i was able to catch this and i thought he was fantastic talking about the accountability this is a brand new staff new coaches with high expectations yeah there, there is a whole lot of uh, accountability um and i think that's a great thing because like he said he mentioned earlier i went to clemson and it was nothing but accountability so i think accountability is like the key to a, a, a great program Remember, we are brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas, reminding you to head on out and have a great time at the Cassie Beach House Wednesday's house party, 9 p.m. It goes late. 50% off all pastas, 50% off select bottles and cocktails. Uh, Go out there, have a great time. You can book it online. And Sunday, July 24th, National Tequila Day, 50% off all tequila cocktails, 50% off all tequila shots. So another promotion coming through our show, and we're happy about that. We have sound coming up here momentarily from Mad Max Crosby. As we stay out on the whole, uh, on the phones, we have one call from Seattle. Trevor held over. Trevor, thanks for calling. What's happening? Hey, JT. How's it going? I'm doing well, thanks. Hey, I'm only 32, so Cliff was a little before my time, but I just wanted to call in and thank you and all the callers sharing their stories about him. Uh, as someone who didn't really get to experience his greatness firsthand, it's been really cool to hear all the stories and accounts of a legend. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this whole summer has just got me fired up for the induction ceremony. I just can't wait to see it. Well, that's great. Are you going to go or are you going to be able to watch it on TV? Are you going to make it a big weekend? What are you doing? Just going to be able to watch it on TV. I'm up here in Seattle, so it's a little bit of a trek for me. But it's it's been cool to kind of discover a legend from the Raiders. I grew up a Raider fan, and I always heard the guy's name. But now I feel like I really know him. And to see him kind of get what he deserved is, is pretty awesome. Thank you. That's why we're doing the Summer of Cliff. I couldn't have gotten through the summer without it. You know, my a little bit of a lighter work schedule on this show, and I got a, a bigger work schedule on my national shows, doing some fill-ins and doing my show uh, three nights a week. And... 
I, I couldn't get through the summer without doing this promotion because there was really not a lot to talk about. The Raiders are really buttoned up and quiet. You know, Devontae Adams gets signed. We talk about it. You talk about that for two days. Can't do, I can't do two hours by myself on his Madden 99 rating. Max Crosby signs an extension. We spend the day on it. But when the Raiders and I sat down and we talked about it, everybody was on the same page. Let's give Cliff what he deserves on the radio, his family and the fans that. And we greatly appreciate your support. It means a lot to me because Cliff was a pretty good friend, really good friend. And I loved him. I loved him a lot because he didn't have to spend all that time with me. He didn't have to be that generous with his time with me, and he was. And I, I could never thank him enough for that. And I, I thanked him when he was alive a lot. And, you know, we heard Jerry Robinson early in the show talk about Cliff was signing the day that he died, and that's the way Cliff went out. Cliff went out representing the Raiders. Please remember that. It didn't matter if he was in Bullhead City, Kingman, Arizona. He could have been in, you know, New Jersey or Florida or Vegas at a Walmart signing autographs he was representing the Raiders in a positive light very important a big aspect of his legacy he goes in the hall of fame as a football player but those of us who knew him as a human being that's what he wanted to do you know Cliff didn't always have to do that but if you said hey Cliff can you come out and sign at our store Cliff made it happen he drove out there man the guy drove he didn't fly all the time he drove from Texas to Oakland Texas to Vegas a lot made some calls in his car, and was one of those guys that didn't mind driving, man. Just loved being in the car for long stretches and representing the silver and black. All right, Max Crosby sound, as he spoke just a few, just a little while ago, about less than an hour ago. Uh, Mad Max talked about the vibe around the team, what he's seen throughout the offseason. Um, you know, the thing I've learned in this league is never get too high and never too low. Um, we have, obviously, a ton of great talent um, on both sides of the ball. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it's a one-day-at-a-time approach. Uh, we got a ton of work to do. Last year was last year. Next year is next year. But we got to stay in the present and just get just get better one day at a time. Yeah, it is one day at a time, and you'll hear that even from Max Crosby, who gets better every day. Max also talked about Chandler Jones, which is a huge topic because someone that Max kept an eye on long before Chandler became a Raider. Yeah, you know, uh, last year, you know, coming to the camp, it was, uh, it was a little bit different. You know, uh, you know, Jan, me and Jan had a great connection. Um, and, you know, this year it's, it's, it's the same thing. You know, me and Chandler, we have an awesome connection. I've known him for years. So, um, you know, I'm super excited. This offseason being with him was, was incredible. You know, I try to push him every day. He tries to push me. So um, we just look forward to doing that every single day. You know, no matter what, just finding new things to get better at um, and keep picking each other's brains and lift up, you know, everybody around us. Now, we played you some John Simpson sound bites about accountability. That's a word you're hearing in the press conference, and you're hearing it for a reason. Max is one of the leaders of the team. This is a new staff, and he's talking about that message. Absolutely. You know, um, at the end of the day, there's a standard, um, and that starts, you know, with your individual group, you know, the defense as a whole, the offense, everything. Um, so being accountable for your group, you know, there's got to be people who set the standard um, every single day. And, um, you know, personally, I try to be one of those guys that, all right, if we're running – we're doing conditioning tests. We're doing, you know, whatever. I'm always try to max out in everything I do and try to elevate everybody around me. And we got to have a bunch of guys that do the same, you know, and I feel like we do. You know, Chandler's another guy like that. He's 32 years old. He was here at every single OTA. And you don't see that, you know, you don't see that often. And that's rare. Devontae Adams, same thing. He was here all offseason. The dude is the best receiver in football. So, um, 
Derek Carr, same thing. Dude's going into year nine, and he's here every single day. So, yeah, you know, we have great leadership on this team. We have a ton of guys that have done it at a high level. Um, and the more people we get like that, the more leaders that come into it. Nate Hobbs, a guy who's been, you know, working his tail off and, and getting better every single day, um, that's going to attribute, you know, to getting this team better. And uh, I think we're definitely going in the right direction. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor reported two hours ago the Raiders have released safety. Dallin Levitt there, which wasn't a big surprise. Once a Raider, always a Raider. He definitely went out there and gave everything he had. And, and I was listening to Vinny and the crew this morning on the morning show, and Vinny was talking about the players who are on the pup list, physically unable to perform. And you know, Vinny really handled it well because he's not losing his mind on this like some radio host would do because he understands. You know, Trayvon Mullen, as Vinny tweeted out, played in all 32 games his first two seasons. And he started every game he was supposed to start those two years, 26 in all. He's not injury prone. Last year, the only season he missed games because of an injury, a foot injury that required surgery. So as everybody's wondering who's hurt, who's not playing, what's happening now when we take a look at the few players that are not there. Three projective starters on the pup list. But all of those players are supposed to be coming back and clearly ready in plenty of time for the regular season. Jonathan Hankins, the defensive tackle, Trayvon Mullen, who I mentioned, and Bilal Nichols, the other defensive tackle. In each player's case, Vinny writes, the pup list designation to start camp was not a surprise. All three can participate in all camp activities aside from actual practice, and each is eligible to return upon being cleared by the team's medical staff, which it seems like they're going to be. Can't make any predictions. I'm not a doctor, but this is something that's kind of expected there. 702-365-9200. Nice job on the phones today with Cliff and just some Raider topics in general. Yesterday we had on Ashley, and we're always thinking of Sam at Sam, Sam and Ash Injury Law. Go to SamandAshInjuryLaw.com uh, because you deserve what's right. You get two of the best attorneys in town for the price of one. Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. Pete Futek, college football insider, good friend of the show on SCC. What's happening with some of the other schools? We'll get to him coming up next. Plunkett drops back to pass. Steps up. He looks. Over the middle. He's got it. Touchdown Raiders! It's caught by Cliff Branch! Six yards last December of 1979 with a touchdown pass from Kenny Stabler and the same turf in the end zone waiting. Plunkett put things over very calmly and then dumped it to him. Bill King on the Cliff call. We've been bringing out some gems as Cliff scored a lot of touchdowns. 99-yarders, slants, bombs over the top, speed kills. The summer of Cliff continues thanks to Jerry Robinson who joined us and Eric Allen. The legendary, the talk about a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. He's got 54 career interceptions. EA is coming up in a little bit. But we get a chance to welcome in my friend Pete Futek from College Football News. I reached out to him because of SEC Media Days, all the chaos that's happened with NIL and college football. And he's kind enough to join us today on Raider Nation Radio. Pete, good to talk to you again. And I was thinking about you because these coaches are getting worked up for SEC Media Day, their best suit, trying to top one another. What do you think of it so far? 
I hate to be the person who's like this, but like I pay minimal attention to SEC media day. Like I've been there so many times. Like I'm with you. I get what you're saying, but they don't say anything. The real fun of media days is always going to the bars because that's where you like start to talk to everybody. That's where you find out really inside stuff. But you know, more often than not, these media days are so good because they're on the SEC network and on the networks uh, at this point. But really, the real entertainment of this value and this point for SEC is uh, and like the Big 12 and will be at the Big 10 is all about the expansion stuff and the SEC is now saying okay are you going to up your game because you know what the Big 10 was just able to do are you able to do that as well and uh, that's really where it's all about but to your point yeah you know it's the best time to get these coaches and players at media days is before they get to the podium if you can get them one-on-one and nobody shields their guys more than the SEC, so it's really hard to get to them, even though it's supposed to be about you know the media and all that. The other ones you can get access to, SEC makes it really hard to get to these guys. Hey, Pete, let me ask you about what they're talking about with name, image, and likeness and all the money. And I thought Lane Kiffin was incredible talking about it's professional sports. Yeah. It's no longer college sports and the booster. What happens if a booster ends up being the guy who buys the quarterback and brings him into the program and the coach now all of a sudden feels like he has to play him? I, I just thought the hypocrisy is amazing in the SEC. This should be problems in the Mountain West. And in smaller conferences that can't get the players that you see in the SEC. And now these guys are saying, woe's me, because they got to come up with all this money. I thought that was fascinating. Boo-hoo. Yeah, I saw that one. I thought I, I caught the whole Lane Kiffin stuff. You know, Kiffin says this stuff, but he knows how to play this game better than just about anyone. He's a realist about it. The, the SEC's got the money. Look. Okay, you know, so what? If you're some goofy, dumb booster wants to give a kid money, all right, you know, that's you know whatever these guys want to do with their dough. Uh, but it, it all that it all works itself out. The, the the market will dictate whatever. What the name, image, and likeness sides those different. So you're talking about two different things here, and Kiffin's kind of talking about two different things that are starting to intersect. Name, image, and likeness is saying. I'm going to play, you know, pay quarterback this, you know, to represent my product and to do this. The other part about this is why is that different than a booster just saying, hey, I just want to give you money, you know? So that's kind of, there's really no difference between the two. And, you know, as soon as the ball gets kicked off, nobody really cares how that works. But you're right. It is sort of a strange way that this is sort of working, but it's kind of hard to cry poor if you're any SEC program. Pete Futek joins us, College Football News. That's a very interesting point. So, you know, these boosters who are so big and you could have oil money in Texas or you could have uh, multi-car dealerships in the South, whatever you have, you just want to write the check. But there will be some boosters that ramp it up if they find out that Arch Manning's available. I want, did you get any clarity, Pete, on what happened with Arch Manning, a guy who could have went to his dad's school at Ole Miss or his uh, uncle's school at Tennessee and how he ended up in Texas because I'm hearing reports anywhere from 10 to 15 million or even more. It's the wild West. No one seems to know, but more than that, it's about who's going to train him best to be part of the NFL. And it, for the Mannings and that group, that is not about the money necessarily. It doesn't hurt, but mm-hmm. the whole idea behind going to Texas is that they research, they vetted every, everyone and everything. And their point is we are going to make sure that uh, Arch Manning, it, here's the prize guy, here's the potential number one overall pick in a few years. 
We want to make sure he is ready to hit the ground running when he hits the NFL. Who's going to train him the best? And that's why they did this. And, oh, by the way, they could pay him as well. And going back to the money side of things, this is going to sort out fast because there's not a limitless amount of funds here. And it's kind of one of those shocking things that all pro athletes hit at some point. Everyone think, all these pro guys always think, well, once I turn pro, and then I'll get all the, the endorsement money and all that. That doesn't really work like that. But, mm-hmm. like, at, at some point, all these different boosters, they're going to want to pay off for their money. They're going to realize we're not going to just start paying guys, you know, NIL money or however this is going to end up working and it not paying off. So it's, it's, it's right now it's a little bit crazy, but it's absolutely, I think, going to sort itself out very, very soon. Pete Futek, College Football Insider. Pete, where I am, as you know, in Vegas, Notre Dame's playing out here in October. They're a home yep. team at a football, you know, Legion Stadium up against BYU. They control the majority of tickets there, and these tickets are really expensive, and Notre Dame can move the needle and come out west with a giant army of fans, a lot of them on the west coast. What are your sources telling you about what Notre Dame's thinking about now? Staying independent, going into the ACC, the Big Ten seems more natural for them. And I think uh, Sankey kept it open that they can possibly go to the SCC. What do the Irish do? Yeah, if you're, uh, you're out there in Vegas, if you're a betting man, I'll bet you that BYU fills the house more than Notre Dame does. That fan base is going to be there yeah. for it. I would be stunned if the, if Notre Dame joins the SEC. It's it, not to get political in any way, but it just is not a fit. It's not a fit academically. It's just it just doesn't really fit what this program is about. The Big Ten problem, though, is they're going to want Notre Dame's going to want concessions for you know to be in. They're going to go. What are you going to do for us? And the Big Ten's not going to want to give anything away. If they give anything to Notre Dame, all of a sudden Ohio State's going to be like, hey, what about us? I have said all along that the two big moves that the ACC needs to consider and think about is either putting a ring on it with the ACC and just being the star there. That was kind of fun in 2020. That worked out just fine. Or I have said if you're the Pac-12, get them whatever they want. Do that move already and see if if you can get them to replace, to help replace the loss of USC and UCLA. That's far-fetched, but if you throw kind of almost a literal Hail Mary out there to then say, hey, look, you already have ties out here. You play Stanford almost every year. You obviously played USC, you know, when USC was back in the Pac-12 days. Uh, it, it works. It works time zone-wise. We can give you whatever you want. Just join the Pac-12. I would think that's more of an opportunity. For the Big Ten, the problem with that is Notre Dame just doesn't want to be thrown on the pile and be like Penn State or Nebraska right now. And be just another team. Pete Futek, as we wrap it up, what did you hear overall about USC, too, with Lincoln Riley? Because no one can convince me. My son goes to Oklahoma. I know a lot of friends at USC. When he went to SC, he might have heard, and he might have knew, and he might have had an understanding that USC could have moved at somewhere down the road. But he didn't know Big Ten. Because he, when he got out of there, Pete, you knew Oklahoma was going to the SEC, and people were saying, well, and these are kids. Lincoln Riley's scared of going to the SEC. He'll never win. If he can't win in the Big 12 and win a national championship, he won't do it in the SEC. SEC. And then he goes to USC, and he gets thrown into the Big 10, and that's going to be brutal to try to win there with Michigan, Ohio State, and everybody else. What do you think Lincoln Riley's thinking? Scared's the wrong way to put it. 
No, he's not scared to go in the SEC. But why would you? Why live that life? You know, why go into that conference where you could be great and go nine and three every year? It's much, much different to go in the Big Ten. You have Ohio State. You could beat Michigan if you're Oklahoma, if you're USC. You could beat uh, you know, Michigan State and Wisconsin. You can handle that. And the other part about this thing too, and nobody likes this. Don't tell your son I'm saying to this. USC's bigger. It's just it, we kind of lose sight at this point just because they haven't been awesome for a while, just what a monster program USC is. And if you're, you know, we just got done talking about name, image, and likeness, nobody is better suited for the new era of college football more than USC because all the things that happened in the Pete Carroll era, all the stuff that got them in hot water with Reggie Bush, the marketing company, the deals, all the different boosters involved, that's kosher now. And, again, mm. USC with that market and that fan base, no school is better suited, better prepared. And look what just happened. Lincoln Riley goes there and they put together an all-star team. They get your guy Caleb your son's guy Caleb Williams from Oklahoma. They get Jordan Addison, you know, all the best receiver in college football last year. They get uh, Travis Dye running back from Oregon. No, USC is perfectly positioned for this. And, you know, hey, it's L.A. It's the weather. Who doesn't want that? Pete Futek, last one. So, Pete, you're the voice of reason. You never get too high. You never get too low. When it comes to all this realignment, has have you evolved on the amount of teams in the college football playoff? I always said six. Uh, seed one and two gets the bye week. Three plays six. Four plays five. You reshuffle. But now, with the power of the SEC and the Big Ten, I see it going up to eight, maybe ten, with a one and two seed bye week. How do you see it? The proposal they had last year that they put the kibosh on for a little while was actually fine. I don't want it to be so big that it becomes a gimmick because the problem with college basketball now is you don't really need to watch until about March 15th because this this tournament has become such an all-encompassing thing that, okay, great. So, you you know, you won the Big Ten championship, but, you know, 32-6, and six, had a great year. But if you lose in the first round to, you know, Middle Tennessee, who cares? You know, what your rest of your season doesn't matter. I don't think you can get that in college football. It, it's too hard to do. The 12 format wasn't bad because you've got to include some mechanism that'll, that makes mm-hmm. it so at least all the conference champions can get in. The problem with the college football playoff right now is, it's all about a panel of judges. Right now, you can do all these things, and if this, that, those 12 people in that room think that, well, we like this team better than this team, well, you're out. So there's got to be some way, as we're talking here, and whatever it is, July 18th-ish, whatever it is, we already know that like 80 college football teams are eliminated from the college football playoff. They have really no realistic shot. You've got to make it so, hey, if you win the Mountain West, all right, you're in the tournament. You might get blown out 55-2 to two or something, but who cares? You get your chance. And that's what you sort of need in all this. I think 12 is a good number to include all the conference champions and, you know, keep it realistic and say, all right, Big Ten and SEC, you're each going to get about three teams each in this thing. Yeah, I think about three teams in. The power conferences make sense. The conference champion, obviously a team with just who just lost one game and lost the conference championship game at the end, the big one, and then another team that was right there on the edge that had a strong uh, – you know, schedule all year long. That makes sense to me. Pete, always yep. appreciate your time. Look forward to talking to you a bunch in the season you have uh, when we get a chance night. to have mix in one. that. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate you, Pete. Pete Feudtech, 
Really good. So college football is a massive story this week on top of training camps for rookies coming in, the veterans coming in for the Raiders, but nothing was bigger. The All-Star game, I haven't even mentioned the All-Star game yet. Just for a moment, I'll try to get it in before I get out of here, but SEC Media Days, that's a monster. Those coaches, one bigger than the next with all the NIL money, the boosters, the budgets, the schedule, all playing for the national championship. College football is amazing. we got to get it going in Vegas. EA, Eric Allen, can't wait to talk to him, my partner, coming up next. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. John Madden, doing that era, we we were in five championship games. Tom Flores was in was in two championships, seven championship games. Had some, and we, we were the better teams out of out of the seven championship game. But we we we, you know. Played the Steelers three straight years in, in a row in a championship game. The Miami Dolphins, the, the perfect season. Uh, the Denver Broncos, and then and then uh, that era. So we was always knocking on the door. Cliff Branch, the summer of Cliff continues. Man, when he nailed it, talking about their the teams that were playing against the best teams. How many Super Bowls could the Raiders have had with the '72 Dolphins, the Steeler legendary teams? And what they had to go through was celebrating Cliff Branch's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. My partner on the Raiders pre and post joins me, one of the all-time great corners, 54 interceptions in his career, and he wore the number 21 for a reason. Eric Allen joins us. EA, welcome to the Summer of Cliff. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, JT. Always great to talk to you, my man. As soon as I hear your voice, you get chill bumps. You're ready for the season to start. When you hear JT, it's right about the Raiders. It's about the silver and black, and it's about that Raider great Cliff Branch going into the Hall of Fame. So excited for my man. Tell me about the number 21 and what it meant to you before you got to the Raiders and when you put the jersey on. Yeah, I'll I tell you, man, uh, growing up in San Diego and being one of the only Raider fans <laughs> here in San Diego and seeing his impact on the football field. So when I was younger, I always wanted to kind of identify with the guy who, you know, kind of fit my style of playing, you know, fast, quick, you know, able to track the ball because I was a baseball player. Uh, and when you transfer over, obviously, you know, being in center field or in left field, tracking the ball. So I immediately went to 2-1 Cliff Branch and how he was able to track the ball so well as he was running. And, again, when we're, when we're looking back on Cliff, that's not an easy task. First, you're getting pressed at the line of scrimmage, you know, and back then they can get their hands on you, you know, rough you up, throw you out of bounds. But he was able to get off the line of scrimmage, fly downfield with the safety over top, still able to track the ball. So I just always thought that was a phenomenal uh, uh, position-specific skill set that he had, and I just loved that. So it was always about wearing 21 when I could. Eric Allen joins us. What's amazing about Cliff from the early years with Freddie Belitnikoff to the later years 
with Marcus Allen and having those three Super Bowls is he was always speed on the outside. There were great yep. tight ends there from Dave Casper to Todd Christensen, Marcus, as we mentioned. And then you look at Freddie B on the other side and the other receivers they had. But, EA, we talked about this. The Raiders historically wanted to run the ball behind Highway yep. 63, Upshaw and Shell. <laughs> they didn't throw it a lot all the time. So Cliff only got so many attempts his way, and he made the max out of it. He always tell Coach Madden and Stabler he's wide open. Yeah, always wide open. And uh, Mr. Davis – always to say he didn't run he flew that's how fast he was and we're forgetting again this is a power running football team they had an amazing offensive line he was the perfect complement to take advantage of all those guys in the box trying to stop the run and then over top almost average 18 yards a catch 76 touchdowns i think career wise so again you're talking about Flitty Blitnikoff talking about those great tight ends Dave Casper, Christensen, uh, the running back crews, of course, Marcus Allen, the fullback. And then you have someone, you put the ball into someone's belly, you pull it out. Everyone knows third and long, second and long, they're going to take a shot. So they have the safeties lined up 25 yards deep, JT, 25 yards deep, and they still couldn't handle the speed of Cliff Branch running right by him. So, again, it goes to show you the collection of talent that that football team had over its 14-year career, three Super Bowls, was amazing, and he was able to still stay on top of his game and provide that long shot, that deep threat that you all know uh, Mr. Davis loved. The great Eric Allen joins us, does everything for the Raiders Radio TV. We're back for another season together at the Torch, right? Come see us at the Torch. We love it there. I'm I'm so excited, (laughs) so excited. And again, going, pushing forward, the collection of receivers and tight ends we have looks a little bit like those teams of mm-hmm. the late 70s and early 80s with Cliff Branch and Fred Bolitnikoff and, and our great tight ends and our running back. You look at our offensive threats we have going into the season, it looks a lot like those old-time Raiders. And we call no. We all know that Josh wants to be a power-running football team. So it's a lot of similarities between what we're going to put on the football field, the product, we're going to put on, put on the football field right now with those Cliff Branch and Christensen and Caspers and Blitnikoff, mm-hmm. those teams of the past. Eric Allen's our guest. So as you're doing a camp previews and you're looking at this roster, it always comes back to the offensive line. And Dylan Parham yeah. was taken in the th- third round. He was their first pick. And I think Colton Miller, I think this is going to be his first year as a pro bowler. Right. And he's going to have a few. Leatherwood, you're asked about him all the time there's a new coaching staff there's a new offensive line coach so when you look at this ea i've been saying i think the raiders are going to be in the market if they can get one more o lineman if there's a cut down from another team a recognizable name maybe a former pro bowler but if not Derek's going to have to get that ball out and move that pocket and give extra time for these receivers to get open what progress have you seen with Derek carr the last couple of years where you think he can do a better job at avoiding the rush Hey, let me tell you, JT, the funniest thing, as you know, we're getting ready for the season and you're looking at old film of Josh and, and, and Derek, the one thing that always pops up with me uh, the last couple of years is JT saying, you know what, get to the line of scrimmage and run the play. Forget all that checking stuff. <laughs> and you know what, JT, they're going to do much more of that because all the details, all of the defensive assignments that are going to be employed to stop the Raiders – 
what Josh does is he breaks all of that down, and he's seen everything before the game even starts. So they're going to be in the right play, him and Derek, when they get to the line of scrimmage. So they're just going to snap the ball and go. They're not worried about checking and audibling because they've already understood what the defense is giving you on certain situations. So I'm very excited about that. Again, I think the running backs and the line are going to be the key this year for this football team. Got to have great consistency this uh, preseason with the offensive line. You've got to have competition up there. We all know they love a, a really fast center. I think Andre James fit that mold. Mm-hmm. Colt Miller, of course, is our lockdown left tackle. And Denzel Good, I think him getting back healthy is going to help with the competition. But all those guys need to be on point. Right tackle, right guard, left guard have to be on point, have to be competitive, find out which one of those guys. And like you said, maybe we'll get a free agent uh, throughout preseason. But if not, those guys have to find a way to secure that offensive line, and then this offense is just going to be ready to go offensively. I just really love the fact that we can run the football, throw it to the tight end. We've got great receivers, of course. This offense looks like it's going to be ready to roll. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree because last year, EA, we talked about it on a lot of the post-game shows. I don't think they ran the ball. They didn't run it with purpose. There were a lot of running it into the line on first down, setting yeah. up second and long, and I didn't like that. And I liked the coaching style last year, and the offensive coaches had a lot of experience, but I don't think they ran with a purpose. Now Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler bring in all this depth in the running back room. They draft Zeus, right. who comes in, who's going to have fresh legs, and you know, when it comes to a young running back who didn't have his 50-year option picked up, I think he's going to be running with a purpose here. And Josh McDaniels likes to run the football. Talk about yep. the sets that you've seen as you broke down film in the past of what they like to do in the past with the Patriots. Yeah, okay. So first we're talking uh, maybe 50% Josh, uh, Coach McDaniels, loves 11 personnel. So that's one tight end and one back. They love that set. You can get some good blocking out of that set. But, again, that running back is key, being able to hit the holes. They're not going to do a lot of zone blocking. It's going to be some man-to-man blocking. It's going to be some pulling, some chipping, getting to the second level. So that running back has to be on point. We're thinking about Josh, the latter part of the season when he's healthy. I thought he was able to finish off the season strong, have a good playoff run. That's the kind of Josh – we want to see the whole season. And I think a lot of the running back depth is to help Josh stay healthy throughout the season. So that's the one thing, and it's very important that that offensive line, like we're talking about, needs to be competitive. We need to find out who's going to be our five starters coming out. 11 personnel is going to be big. Of course, we have blocking tight ends. We have, crazy, of course, Derek, Derek uh, Waller. But then you go to 21 personnel, two backs. That's why they brought in a tight end and uh, another fullback. That's going to be interesting for our football team to be more traditional with two backs, be able to lead block, get your fullback in there, have him chip in the linebacker, and then that running back gets to the second level. That's very important for this football team. And then the last set we see a lot is 12, one back, two tight ends. So Foster Moreau can kind of get in the mix a little bit. So, again, those kind of formations are old-school football. We're going to really focus on running the football, being attacking, being strong and dominant, and then take advantage of all those speedy and good receivers we have later in the football game when we set things up. Eric Allen, uh, one more on the defensive side. Jonathan Abrams' growth, uh, growth, I've been just hearing good things. Trayvon Mullen starts off on the pup list, but he should be ready to go. And then they bring in Rocky Asin. If you looked at him on film and you could see what he did because – 
Casey Hayward was a hell of a player last year. He really yeah, did a yeah, nice job, and the players that they have now have to play at a very high level there, and I'm assuming with this better pass rush that it's going to help the corners on the back end. <laughs> JT, I, I, I tried and begged to get Josh to give me a jersey so I can get in there a little <laughs> bit with those great pass rushers we have coming up the edge, and they play a lot of what we call two high safeties. So it could be cover two, it could be cover four, could be cover six, which is a combination of four on the strong side, two on the weak side. So again, those two safeties are critically important, being able to be have one half of the football field in cover two. So you have to get over top of that cornerback. You can't allow those receivers, tight ends, down the, down the middle of the football field. Really important for those linebackers to get great depth in cover two to really take away that middle tight end. As we know, the Chiefs love the fact that we avoid that area and then they get Kelsey right in the middle. Our linebackers have to do a much better job of getting their depth in cover two. And one thing that pops off film for me with uh, this new defensive coaching staff is guys are where they need to be. I looked at the Giants. And you're talking about being mm-hmm. one yard outside the hash, one yard outside the numbers. I stopped the film. Those guys are exactly where they're supposed to be. So they're coachable, and we know our Raiders are going to be coachable. And I look forward to this football team employing a little more zone blitzing style than we have probably did the last couple of years. Love the fact that we have those two guys up front, but it's really going to come down to those two safeties and those cornerbacks making sure they can fit in the running game also. All right, we started with Cliff, we'll end with Cliff. You've been very patient as you've been a semifinalist for the Pro Football (laughs) Hall of Fame. You know how patient Tim Brown was. Tim Brown didn't need to wait that long. You knew the snake didn't have to wait that long. Coach Flores, who we know had to wait till he was in a wheelchair, and Cliff's not here with us. So when you look at your patience and you see what's going on with Cliff, how does that give you any ease knowing that it could take some time until people get together and everybody gets on the right page? Yeah, you know, that's really a difficult – it's it's difficult, JT, because when you saw Cliff, I mean, he looked great. He was always signing autographs. You wanted him to be able to have that opportunity to walk across the stage, get up there and talk about all the people that helped him get to that point. And you're happy and you're excited for him and his family that he's finally in – but it just seems like the process, sometimes it's about, you know, what part of the country you're from or mm-hmm. what coach you played for opposed to you think about Cliff Branch, you think about a Hall of Famer. And that's kind of where, you know, most of us are who don't get in, you know, right away. And you're like, hey, man, hopefully I'm able to walk across the stage, you know, and, and still look kind of good, JT, you know, and, and, and uh, have a nice suit on <laughs> right. and be able to give props to all those people who helped you get to that point. So I'm excited about Cliff, but I'm sad that he's not there so we can hear his words and all the people who really helped him get to that point. Man, East Keys, man, we just got it. The man who was born, the man who was born less than twenty-four hours before I was. We almost share That's the right. same day on Earth. We're so, brothers. yeah, no doubt, we got we got to really do a deep dive on that number and that hour there because we have that That's connection. Right. I will see you soon. It's going to be a great year. We're thrilled to have you in all capacities of media that you do with the team. And thanks for joining us for the summer of Clip Ranch. That's right. Always excited to talk to you, JT. Can't wait to see you, man. Take care of yourself. There he is, Eric Allen.
So when we talk about Eric Allen in the Hall of Fame, okay, please bear with me. 54 interceptions, 54. Go look at every cornerback who's ever played and put 54 up against that. Also, most interceptions returned for a touchdown in a season. He did that, four, tied with Ken Houston and Jim Kearney. He's on the Eagles' 75th All-Anniversary team. He's in the Eagles' Hall of Fame. He's a six-time Pro Bowler, a two-time second-team All-Pro, and a first-team All-Pro in 89. He has the credentials. 54 interceptions. you got to go out of your way to keep a guy out of the Hall of Fame that has 54 career interceptions. He was not good. He was great. I consider Eric Allen one of the many Raiders. And again, his best years were with Philadelphia. No one will debate that. He's a legendary Eagle. He came to the Raiders. The last game he ever played, ever played, was the tuck rule. Let that sink in. He had a victory stolen from him in the tuck rule, stolen from him, and he could have went on and won the Super Bowl. Eric Allen should be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Period. No debate. And he wore 21 for Cliff. So, great day today, man. Really enjoyed it. It flew by. Thanks to Jerry Robinson, Pete Futek, Eric Allen. Tomorrow, we're live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Looking forward to that. Vinny Bonsignor will join us. We'll do a deep dive. It's going to be a long day over there tomorrow. Going to practice for the first time under this new regime to see the way they do it. And excited to be back in the building again. So, it's going to be a lot of fun. Tonight's, uh, I'm on Sirius XM from 6 to 9 p.m on what is claiming to be the most difficult sports radio day of the year. Not here. I got two hours down, three more to go. Tonight, I'll recap the All-Star game. Got a couple of good guests here, and we'll get through it. Can't wait to be in Henderson tomorrow. Thanks to Bobby, who put the show together, and all of our proud partners, as we're really happy that we added Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. You know, I started at the Hard Rock. It's Virgin now. A lot of my friends work there. It's been fantastic. Resorts World where I just saw Journey the other night in their gorgeous theater. What a good time I have at 8 Cigar Lounge over there. Fantastic. And the M Resort Spa and Casino, as they anchor all of our legend guests over at the Raiders Tavern and Grill. That's it for me. Have a great day, everybody. I'm going to spend the next couple hours with my son before he takes off back to college, and that'll get pretty emotional. And then tomorrow we'll come back and do it again from Raiders training camp with the vets there. And the rookies there and the start of a, hopefully a very long season. Very long season. Thanks for listening. Q is coming up next. Keep it here to the flagship of the Silver and Black. Thanks for listening. And thanks for joining us for the summer of Cliff Branch.